Welcome to the Grace Long Beach podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Today's reading is Colossians 1, 3 through 14. We always give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We've done this since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. You have this faith and love because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You previously heard about this hope through the true message, the good news, which has come to you. This message has been bearing fruit and growing among you since the day you heard and truly understood God's grace. In the same way that it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. You learned it from Epaphras, who is the fellow slave we love and Christ's faithful minister for your sake. He informed us of your love in the Spirit. Because of this, the day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you and asking for you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We're praying this so that you can live lives that are worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him in every way by producing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God by being strengthened through his glorious might so that you endure everything and have patience and by giving thanks with joy to the Father. He made it so that you could take part in the inheritance, in light granted to God's holy people. He rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He set us free through the Son and forgave our sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kids, you are dismissed to King's Quest as the rest of us are seated. My name is Daniel Long. I'm a pastor here at Grace. Um, just as Marcia was walking up, her husband turned around to my wife and I, and he said, uh, no, no cane, no limp, no pain. Um, and right, that, yeah. Uh, and that moment for me was, it kind of um, connected with what I feel like God is, is wanting to say to us this morning, which is the sense of, of being able, well, that God is, is the God who is working and, uh, and healing and restoring uh, and um, making things new. And I didn't, I didn't connect the dots until you, Dan, did for me. And it was just a, like a really cool, cool thing. Because I think that God is, God is up to something and has been and always is uh, and, and I think as I was thinking about, I think as I was thinking about, um, as I was thinking about this, this morning and 
um, perhaps what God might want to say to us as we kind of move into 2019, there were three words that came to mind, uh, and those three words were gratitude, dependence, and unity. Uh, these, were, these were three words that, that I, I've been thinking about, that I've been praying through, that I wonder if God is, is offering um, to me, perhaps to us as a community, that might be postures, that might be things that we kind of lean into as we begin this new year. Another thing that came to mind this morning as I was praying for today was that one of my first sermons, no, not one, the first sermon was, that I ever preached was on the first Sunday in the new year. Um, and so it was just another reminder of like, wow, this is so, I don't, this is weird. Like this, in terms of what God is, is doing and, and kind of all the different connections that are constantly, I think, happening as we sort of attempt to pay attention. So as, with that, I'd like to pray and then we'll get into it. God, I thank you that you are a God who is at work all the time. I thank you that you are a God who is dependable. I thank you that you are a God in whom we can trust, and I pray and ask that, that you would show us yourself this morning as the good shepherd in whom we can put all of ourselves, all of our trust, all of our security. And God, I ask that you would transform us into people who bear witness to, to the love that you have for all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You see these, I don't know if you were here last week, but if you were, there, there are these things behind me, these cards, you see paper on the walls. Um, we did our Remembering Rightly service in which we name like the joys and pains of the last year of 2018, and then we also take a time to name our hopes and fears for 2019. And I encourage you, after this morning, not now, that'd be kind of weird, but um, if you just feel like, okay, this is lame, I'm going to go, you go there, and you can read, like, uh, who we are. I mean, the thing about these, the things that we named, right, this is indicative of our community. This is all of us kind of naming, as we go into this new year, um, like, where we're at and where we're situated. And I think one of the remarkable things about that is it reminds me that, that the church is a miracle, <laughs> That the, the fact that we are here together by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is pretty remarkable because it's this collection of individuals, right, with individual lives, yet taken up together in something beyond us, something larger than us, uh, in the story that God is telling and in the people of God that he has brought together. So this is, I think, an incredible reminder to, of, of, what, of who we are as people, but also ways in which we can be leaning into um, trust in who God has shown himself to be. Gratitude. So why gratitude? Because I'm terrible at it. So I think that's one of the reasons why this word came to mind as perhaps a posture that I think God is calling me into and something that I think um, God is calling us as a community into. Because gratitude helps us See. Now, if we were listening to the Colossians passage, which I'll, I'll begin in verses 3 through 8, there's this incredible thing that Paul is doing, which is he's simply giving thanks. And he's not primarily giving thanks for what people are doing. He's giving thanks for what God has done and the way in which we can see the work of God through the people. 
verse 3. We always thank God. If you want to turn there, go ahead. It's page 983 in the Blue Bibles. But I'm going to read it. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth of the gospel which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So Paul here is giving thanks for this work that he's actually seeing in the people, but it's work that comes by way of God's already working, of the hope that people have in God. See, gratitude and being grateful is one of those postures that helps us see the reality of the world. Now, I can't help but come into 2019 incredibly grateful, because I don't know if you know this, but 2018 was, cr- was crazy. Um, and it is it, on a number of levels. But if you think about us as a community, I mean, 2018, in, in just a few weeks, we're going to be um, at least acknowledging or it's there a year ago that our, pa- our senior pastor of 27 years resigned suddenly. And 2018 was kind of a, a, a working through that. And not that we are beyond it, but certainly God is doing something where I feel like there's, there's a turn in that, that we're, we're kind of poised to, to wonder what might God have for us in the future. And that, that there's a sense, at least I have in our community, of, of, of wanting to know what that might be. But what I'm so grateful for in taking stock of 2018 is that even through all of that, God never stopped working. Through all, I mean, (laughs) we are here in 2019. I mean, as a community of of people, that is a, that's a remarkable thing. Um, That Grace Long Beach, that you are here, that we are together worshiping, is an incredibly, like, just miraculous thing to me. Uh, and thinking about even 2018 and, and the loss and the death today, actually, a year ago, Danielle Montiel died. And, and so this is the anniversary of that loss in our community. But God, even through all of that, and sometimes in spite of all of that, is continually working and moving and reshaping and restoring and reconciling us. I mean, I'm so grateful thinking back about this last year to say, wow, God, you've been in all of it. And at times it felt like I didn't know personally what would happen. I didn't know where we would be now. Um, and if you talk to the elders, and, and there's a, a sense in which we were hoping in God, but really, like, there are so many question marks. And there still are a lot of question marks. But being grateful helps me see the ways in which God has always, already, all the time, been at work. Among us and through us, in spite of us, in spite of what's happened. And so thanks be to God that he is the one who is working and moving. Thanks be to God that it's not based on us getting things right or perfect, right? Thanks be to God that it's not on us 
figuring out the best way to do things. Thanks be to God that he, through his son, Jesus, has called us together and that we actually have a part to play in what he's doing in the world. God is the one at work. God is the one who has called us. And being grateful helps me see that. Being grateful and kind of stepping into gratitude also helps me see other people in different ways. Now, when you're in a church, when you're in a community, um, I don't, it's newsflash, you don't like everyone. Is that right? I mean, you guys can all agree. Yeah, amen. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, John. Our salvation isn't in our ability to like each other all the time. Right? Our future, actually, isn't necessarily um, secured by our, our, just our being nice all the time. Like, our future is actually secure because of what God has done in Jesus. And despite how I might feel toward a person, that doesn't change the fact that they are my brother or sister. And gratitude for me, being grateful and leaning into being grateful for people, even those people that bother me, is a way in which God can actually reframe and reshape how I see them. Henry Nouwen says this about gratitude and resentment. He says, moving, moving away from resentment requires moving towards something more life-giving, and that something is the attitude of gratitude. Resentment blocks action. Gratitude lets us move forward toward new possibilities. Resentment makes us cling to negative feelings. Gratitude allows us to let go. Resentment makes us prisoners of our passions. Gratitude helps us to transcend our compulsions to follow our vocation. Resentment exhausts us by complicated jealousies and ambiguities, stirring up destructive desires for revenge. Gratitude takes our fatigue away and gives us new vitality and enthusiasm. Resentment entangles us in endless distractions, pulling us down to banal preoccupations. Gratitude anchors our deepest self beyond this world and allows us to be involved without losing ourselves. So this idea between, like, this interplay between gratitude and resentment, and I actually think this is true. I think that, that there's an ability to become resentful or bitter or entrenched in, these, in this sense in which, you know, I don't want anything to do with another person. But it, it's easy to get there. But gratitude, being grateful for a person and moving and stepping into that or even asking that God would help us to become thankful, I think begins to warm our hearts in a way that we didn't think was possible. Now, why do I bring this up? I bring this up because I think as we move forward together and as we are going and, and things are happening, it's easy for things to build up and to kind of create wedges. I think that there are a lot of questions that need to be answered and, and that will be answered and things like that. But I think that it's easy if, if we aren't stepping in or moving into a, this, this posture of being grateful and gratitude or at least leaning into that then it will become easy to kind of become entrenched in this resentment and this bitterness if things or people don't act the way we would like them to or don't go the way that we would like. I, I, I think that God is calling us into this posture of gratitude, of being grateful, in order that our hearts might be warmed to one another in a new way. And I think this is true not just in the church, but I think this is true in relationships. I think this is true in your families and in friendships. Do you find yourself often 
sometimes surprised by your resentment toward another person. Well, I challenge you, I challenge you to sit and attempt to find things to be grateful to God for about that other person. And I wonder if God might change your hearts. I do this all the time with my children. (laughs) And I I wish that was a joke. Um, But right, things happen and and, and the people you love most do things and you think, why are you trying to ruin my life? And um, and it's easy to, to kind of get, I find myself, it's easy to get in this, like, this constant state of just being annoyed and frustrated. And there have been moments, and I, I, I'm not talking about gratitude because I'm good at it. I'm talking about it because I've, I, I need it, and I've seen God work through it. But when I sit back and I think and I take stock of who my sons are, and the things that bring joy... And the things that I remember that they are beyond what they just did, I begin to tell the truth about that person, about my sons. And I think the same is true for us in community with one another. It's easy to tell one single story about a person. And gratitude helps us perhaps to have a more accurate view of of who we are with one another. So gratitude helps me see, but it also helps me tell the truth. As I think back about what God has done, and I already said this, but I want to make it clear, is that it makes me realize that whether or not I knew it, or I was aware of it, or whatever I thought about it, God and his work hasn't stopped. God and his work won't stop. Because God is the one who is Moving, God is the one who is guiding and who is leading. And it's because of who God has shown himself to be among us, with us, in our lives, but really in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He's a God on whom we can depend. And that's the second word, dependence. I think as we move into this new year, together as a community, but also myself as an individual, I want to lean into a greater dependence on God. It is so easy for me to think that I, I know, I have it all together, or yeah, my job that, that I'm supposed to be doing as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a friend, whatever, is to hold it all together. That's really what I'm supposed to be doing. But that's not, that's not. That's not the job that we're called to. What we are called to as Christians is to put our trust in the one who calls himself the Good Shepherd. The one who guides us and leads us, that is what God is calling me to. I don't know if you have this experience where you kind of, you, you, you try to do things and you kind of are, you're, you're, you're just, you got it, right? You feel like you got it. And then something happens, a conversation happens, and it's usually my wife who this conversation happens, where you realize, oh, I thought I was doing a better job. <laughs> Um, oh, I thought that I, I thought I was able to carry it all, right? I mean, don't you, couldn't you see, like, all the things I was trying to do? And you realize, like, oh, 
you're missing things or you're overlooking things or, or you're, 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 um, you're not paying attention to the relationships in your life that matter and that kind of give you life. And, and, and I get to that point, and, and, it, and it's kind of crushing because you think, wow, but I thought I was holding it all together. And I've had so many of those moments, more than I wish I did, especially this last year, where I thought, oh, I've got this. And then it was like, no, you don't. Uh, and, and then what do you do with that? Well, by the grace of God, I felt like those were the moments where I realized, okay, I need to depend on God. I need to depend on God for strength, for, for nourishment, for, for re- restoration, for guidance, and for leading. Because that is where all of that is found. God is the good shepherd. Jesus in the one, is the one in whom we need to put all of our trust. The one in whom we need to put all of, of what we desire and our needs in the person of Jesus because he is the one who gives us life. He is the one who sustains and who nourishes. And it's dependence upon God. And it's not a dependence of like, look, you need to depend on God. Think about who God has already shown himself to be. The dependence that we're called to as God's people is an invitation. An invitation to give ourselves to the one who will always be with us. Who will never leave us nor forsake us. I don't know where you find yourself this morning. But I know for all of us, God is calling us to a greater sense of dependence upon him for all that we need. Eugene Peterson says this, The assumption of spirituality is that always God is doing something before I know it. So the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it and participate and to to take delight in it. So this assumption, this ability to depend, comes upon the belief and the trust that God is already at work. Our job is not to get God to do something, but rather to see what God already is up to and to jump into it and to participate. It's a dependence on that type of God who is already at work. I had a friend text me this week, um, and, and she she took a screenshot. She reads uh, um, Oswald Guinness every morning. And on January 2nd, she read something that she said she thought of me um, when she read it, and she took a picture and she sent it. She had no idea I was talking about dependence. Um, and, and this is what, this is some of what um, she sent in this. It says, one of the difficulties in Christian work, and I think here um, Chambers is talking about the work of, of, of being a disciple of the Christian life, not just like Christian ministry work. One of the difficulties in Christian work is this question. What do you expect to do? You do not know what you are going to do. The only thing you know is that God knows what he is doing. Continually revise your attitude towards God and see if it is a going out of everything, trusting in God entirely. It is this attitude that keeps you in perpetual wonder. You do not know what God is going to do next. Each morning you wake, it is, it is to be a going out, a building in confidence on God. 
Suppose God is the God you know him to be when you are nearest to him. Let the attitude of the life be a continual going out in dependence upon God, and your life will have an ineffable charm about it, which is a satisfaction to Jesus. So this idea of going out, of trusting in God, over time will form us into people who begin to see that God really is the God who is at work, the God who already is doing things. And as we kind of go into the stream or flow of what God is doing, then we become people who are satisfied by Jesus. And that idea of being satisfied by Jesus, I think, is the point of all of this. Church, sermons, worship, our life together is to be a continual op- or opportunity to continually remind one another of who we are putting our trust and who actually satisfies. That is the work that we are doing together is to be reminded that Jesus Christ is the one who has life. Jesus Christ is the one who is the bread that nourishes us. That his blood is really the blood that, that, is, that is able to wash us clean. That it is, it is Jesus. It is he who we need. He is the one that we are to, to desire. And I think an opportunity on Sunday mornings, through all of the different things that we do, is maybe a reminder of the ways in which we've, we've wanted to be satisfied by other things. And Sundays we come together and say, oh yes, none of those other things are what satisfies. It is actually Jesus. And then we go from this time together, from hearing a sermon, or from worshiping and singing songs, from our conversations, we live the next six days, hopefully in response to that, to say, oh yes, Jesus is the one who satisfies. Hopefully that is the work that we can do together with one another. Dependence, or gratitude, and dependence. And it's no wonder that Paul constantly is always saying that somehow gratitude, dependence are linked to the ability to experience peace, the kind of washing away of anxiety. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the second half of the verse that was read this morning, you see this, this, this sense of dependence that, that Paul is praying and asking that God would give to people. Verse 9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice that Paul doesn't say, hey, go increase in the knowledge of God and go bear good fruit. He says, we are praying and asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of God so that those things would take place. And that happens as our life is formed by Christ as we continually depend upon him for our life, for our sustenance, for our satisfaction, for everything. So the last word, unity. 
And this is a big one. This is one I think that, that God is calling not just our church to, but as I think about the church just in general, you know, capital C church everywhere, unity. This is the thing I think we have to offer the world in terms of the greatest witness that we can be is how we are united by something beyond our, our personal individual preferences, political stances, whatever it might be, right? We, we live in a world in which it's constantly trying to, to divide us and to divide us into our own little enclaves and tribes to say, I am who I am, I am not like them. And Jesus says, no, that is actually antithetical to the gospel. The gospel says that we are all sinners saved by grace. The gospel, the table says, this is actually who you are and what you need. This is life. This is your identity. And I think as we move forward together as a church, as a local community, unity is something that we need to be praying toward, that we need to be asking that God would give us. I think this, this, that the enemy would want to create divisions among us. Right? Thinking back to that now, unquote, create resentments, create little ways in which we just want, we want to kind of divide up. Talk about that person. Make comments about, about what's going on here. Division is not what Jesus wants. Unity is. And he wants it so much that he actually asked God for it. In John 17, if you're thinking, wondering what you, should you, what you should read this week, John 17, read Jesus' prayer. It's an incredible prayer. But verse 20 says this, starting in verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. That's what Jesus asks. That's what Jesus desires, is our unity together in Jesus, in God. That actually becomes the way that we bear witness to the world, that, that the gospel really is what Jesus said it is. Our unity is of utmost importance. And again, I'm not saying, hey, go be unified. Just work on it a little bit harder. I don't think unity actually comes by, by just working at something harder. I think unity comes by constantly going to Jesus together to remember that he is the one who gives us the shape and life and all that we need together. Because when that continually happens, we remember that we are actually called to something beyond whatever it is that we might find identity in, apart from Jesus. It is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, his grace, his mercy, his salvation that brings us together. Nothing else. Nothing else. It's not Jesus plus something else. It is 
Jesus Christ. You are my brother and my sister, and I am your brother, not always because you like me, not always because you might agree with me or vice versa, but because together we somehow say, we make the claim that I need Jesus. You say that, I say that, that is what brings us together. And so my hope is as we move together into 2019, and my prayer for the church is that we may constantly go to Jesus as the one who satisfies, as the one who names us, as the one who gives us our identity. And that is the place from which we begin. That, that, that the table is the place from which we begin. And I'm not actually saying that you can't have opinions. I'm not saying that you can't have, you can't have your own thoughts. I am saying maybe not be a jerk about it, but I'm just saying that like you can, you can have all of those things. But there's something greater than those things that has brought us together. And I think it's only when we can find one another and look at one another through the lens of, the, of people who have been saved by the grace of God is when we can actually begin to talk about the things that matter to us. But that's where it has to start. It has to start from, from the place that I am looking at my brother, that I am looking at my sister, and that my unity to that person, or you, your unity with me, is honestly what ultimately matters. That's what I think God is calling us toward together. And I think that actually comes by way of, of, of being able to, to see the world through the lens of God at work and of telling the truth about other people, which I think gratitude makes possible. But it's also about leaning into God and dependence. It's about seeing, the God, seeing God as the one who has already been leading and guiding as the one who is the good shepherd. That's the place to start so that we might see together, oh, God has been doing something at work among us, has gathered us together for his purposes. So what are we going to do? I mean, this is a miracle that we're here. It's an incredible thing. I think if we had a direct line to, like, to the Apostle Paul or to maybe a disciple, and we said, hey, I'm, I need help interpreting what you said here. And he's like, wait a second, what year is it? We're like 2019. He's like, it doesn't even make sense to me. So the world isn't over. You know, that's what they would be saying. So how, how is this actually working? How is this possible? How is it possible that from here, right, from the scriptures, that God has continually been faithful to the church so that in 2019 that we are worshiping together? God has made that possible. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has made that possible. What we are caught up in, I mean, I can't say it more, or I can't say it enough, what we're caught up in is, is something miraculous. And we're in it together, and that's a beautiful thing. I'd like to pray and thank God for it. God, you... You always have been and are and always will be, and somehow we are part of it all. And I thank you for that reality. I thank you that we are 
the church. I thank you that you've called us by your son, Jesus, to be with one another, to be with you. And I pray that together we would move toward you. Jesus is our satisfaction, as our bread, as our nourishment is all that we need. Thank you for showing us to be a, that you are a God who is faithful, that you are a God who will guide and lead. Thank you that you are a God who calls us to be unified. And I confess that I don't know. I don't know how that works, but I know that it only will work because you and your power and you kind of taking hold of our lives in a new way. And so I pray that you would. But God, I thank you for this last year for the ways that you've carried us through. Thank you that we are a church, a body that you've kept hold of that you've been working in. Thank you for the healing even through the times of, of loss and tragedy. Thinking even this morning, thank you for the life of Danielle and even that loss, and I pray and ask that you would be with the Montiel family as they continue to move and, and to heal and to restore. And all the different stories here, God, of, of, of loss and of, of difficulty, but also of joy and of an excitement that we're all kind of intertwined together. And I thank you for that gift of being able to be with you and with one another. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.